Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome in to episode 93 of the Canucks Speakeasy Podcast. I'm Pete. And I'm Doug. Doug, uh, I don't I don't want to start the episode with the game flight, but it's tradition, so let's do it. When we left our last flight, the Canucks were coming off a 3-2 loss to the Ducks. We thought better times were ahead. Little did we know they were about to get thumped by the Colorado Avalanche 7-1 on Remembrance Day. There wasn't too many highlights from this game. Canucks continue on to Vegas and it doesn't get much better. Allowing four goals in the third, 7-4. Vegas, Hoglander, three points. He looked good that game. That was about it, really. The Canucks finished their mini three-game road trip against those pesky Anaheim Ducks. Unfortunately, it was the same result as the last two games. Another loss, 5-1 this time. Nils Hoglender continued his hot streak with another point. And we're back to Colorado again. 4-2 Avs in Vancouver. Coming back from the road trip. Yes, the Canucks played better. Yes, Tucker Pullman had a multi-point game. But in the end of the day, same results. Allowing three power play goals and five opportunities. Jeez, it's just kind of kind of deja vu. And that, Doug, is our game flight. Jeez, that was a painful way to start the show. I bet anyone who's actually listening has tuned us off by now. Yeah, it, it's been a rough patch of games here for the Canucks these past, I don't know, eight games or so. Um, and yeah, those two losses during that three-game road trip between uh, against the Avs and Vegas, giving up seven goals each game, not good. I know last pod, you know, I was trying to be positive and be like, oh, you know, I really think the Canucks could turn it around on this road trip. Their offense is ready for an explosion. All this, you know, positivity heading in, and we literally get thumped uh, in those three games. And then last night, I was at the game. Uh, it was the first uh, game back after the three-game road trip, and I mean, the effort was a bit better, I think, but the result was the same. Another loss. What was the attitude like in the building? It was. It wasn't like like I don't know. I didn't. There was a couple of sections that were trying to get the fire bending chant going. It was like maybe ten, fifteen people max. Uh, it was never going loud enough where you would actually notice it in the stadium after the game there was a bunch of people chanting fire bending on the concourse when everyone was leaving the building that was probably the loudest the chant ever got and yeah i mean the canucks made it a game and it was close that up until quinn hughes took that really bad penalty and the canucks surrendered their third power or power play goal against and that really seemed to kind of you know, crush the momentum that the Canucks had on the ice and what little fanfare was in the stadium. Man, it's been, you know, you said it already. It's been a tough week and uh, it, it feels like the faith in this marketplace, as we all know, is just completely crumbled. Like, man, it's this is going back to geez, maybe the Messier era for me in, in terms of where this fan base's mentality is. And uh, it's, it's, Man, I don't know, man. It's I. I wouldn't mind. Like I can handle losing. I, I'm okay if the team loses, but it's the way they're losing, and and that for me is what really makes it hard. Is the way we've lost some of these games. And yes, okay, we 
had a better effort against Colorado, but the special teams are still just abysmal and they don't seem to be improving. We're, we're seeing a lot of guys who are coasting out there still. And for everything that we were promised, for all these expectations, for all these assets, uh, it's just gotten to a point where the fans in the city have just had enough, really. Yeah, I mean, Petey and Besser especially look like they're coasting out there. I was trying to watch Petey every shift he was out there, and there was a couple of shifts where he, he made a couple of nice plays, but there was a lot of other shifts where he just did not look engaged at all. Like, he was just kind of watching the puck instead of going after the puck, and he really didn't look engaged. I know there's a lot of speculation going on right now inside, you know, Canucks ownership and management and the coaching staff, and, you know, is a change going to happen? Will a change happen? I don't know. But there's definitely something awry in that locker room. Uh, the Players don't look like they're giving it all. I mean, honestly, the two players that I noticed last night that seemed to really give a damn were Connor Garland and Oliver ekman Larson. They were the two guys that like really were engaged physically, trying to make plays, hustled on every shift. And, you know, those were the two guys, every shift I saw them on the ice, they were noticeable. I'll chuck Tyler Mott and Thatcher Demko in there as well. I thought uh, yeah. I thought they were they were decent. Um, I mean, Demko really mo- most days is is the best player. But um, I, again, this is this is where we're at, and we're gonna have a lot of Canucks chat coming up on this episode. We have a guest this week, and you know, I we're gonna have to apologize for bringing him on at, at this time. But we have Ryan Hank joining us from the pp1 podcast our expansion podcast cousins this will finally complete the hat trick of getting all the guys from that show onto our podcast yes the trinity is finally complete we finally got ryan on the show i'm looking forward to the conversation with him Uh, and you know i'd love to hear what he thinks about the canucks past uh, 10 games or so and yeah finally nice to have ryan on the show Ryan's also a contributor for Canucks Army. You can follow him at always90. That's the numbers four that is spelled out. Uh, I'm curious how he tells people his Twitter handle because that's a that's a tricky one to get around. Um, also on Twitter, you can follow us. I'm at Pete underscore gas and the podcast is at Canucks Speak. Give me a follow on Twitter at Doug Venn. And Pete and I continue to build this playlist on Spotify. It's the Canucks Speakeasy outro playlist. Make sure you give that a follow. Check out some of the funky jams. We're adding another one at the end of this episode. So we are going to come back to the Canucks, uh, but we're going to wait till Ryan is on the line with us and uh, really dive into everything. Um, First off, we wanted to send our thoughts out to everyone in the province who's just gotten ravaged by the floods. Uh, This is really the big story in the province right now what's going on and it's just insane man some of these videos coming out and uh i mean you think about four months ago we were had towns burning to the ground and now we're having towns completely flooded uh it's it's insane it's incredibly sad and you know i hope everyone out there is doing the best they can and their livestock is doing the best they can uh but man Crazy, crazy weekend in the province. I, I'm still, uh, I bike to work um, along Pacific there, and that barge is is still there, and it's kind of like tilted now a bit on the rocks. But it's just like, man, what a world. What, what is this global warming? What is this climate change? It's uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, like you said, you know, thoughts and prayers to anybody and everybody that's been affected by the flooding and, you know, their livelihoods, 
homes lost, livestock's lives being lost, and yeah, you know, I mean, it's going to take a while. I mean, you know, before we started recording this episode, you and I, Pete, were talking about, you know, the damage to the Coquihalla Highway, and that's probably going to take months to, to actually fix and repair, and yeah, man, it's just, you know, it's these last few years, man, it's as soon as you're done dealing with one thing and you feel like, okay, we're finally moving in a positive direction, something else happens. And yeah, I just hope people don't go crazy and start, you know, buying up all the toilet paper and all the paper towel again and, you know, buying out food shelves. I saw a friend of mine sent me a photo, I think it was in Kamloops of grocery store and all the meat and dairy had been bought out just like what are you doing people like i just it's it's just the worst it's the worst of humans really when you see people do that i understand wanting to stock up but you know that's excessive hoarding and i hate it and yeah yeah don't hoard people i've talked to some friends on the island apparently same stuff over there, long lineups for gas. I'm, I'm glad I, I don't have a car. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, crazy when you know, I have friends in Germany, Australia, Scotland, all shoot me messages like, oh, you guys are uh, like the top story today. I went to the BBC website. We were the front page right there uh, about all, all everything that's happening here. So um, it's a big deal on an international scale. But obviously for us, it's this is home and it's uh, it's it's where we live and where we eat and we got friends and out across the province here and everyone's affected by this and everyone's going to be affected by this but yeah don't hoard be calm be cool be nice hey we've got a lot of a lot of time to preach stuff like that with the last couple of years so why not chuck a, a flood on top of it all now as well yeah i couldn't agree with you more pete um you know just be nice to people be kind and uh you know try to help someone out when and where you can and also, Doug, I got to say uh, kudos to you. We normally record Wednesdays, but with a game day yesterday, we shifted it to Thursday. Thursday means Thursday night football. And wouldn't you know it, it's the Pats this week. Yeah, I don't know why I want to punish myself to have to talk about the Canucks when there's a Patriots game on right now. And Mac Jones and Bill Belichick are, you know, getting all this praise on the national media because they're playing a national televised game. And I decided to talk Canucks. Why would I want to do that? I don't know. Obviously, being a Canucks fan, we're kind of used to punishment. And uh, yeah, um, fortunately, uh, I'll be talking Canucks instead of enjoying and watching this football game. I do have it on in the background, yeah. but uh, obviously, uh, I've got it on mute. I, I also have it on in the background here. So uh, if something exciting happens and you need to hoot and holler, Doug, uh, well, we can either edit it out or, or we can work with it. I won't be angry about it. Um, let's, uh, before we get back into the Canucks, let's uh, do a little bit of around the room here and get into our around the room segment. I think you're going to want to hear this. Uh, no, I'm just playing. I'm, I'm having fun here at the hockey game. We have a few things we can uh, touch on here, Doug. We got a couple of things lined up here, but I think the the Hall of Fame class is a good place to start this year. For those who don't know, the six people entering it, Ken Holland, Marion Hosa, Jerome McGinley, Kevin Lowe, Kim St. Pierre, 
and Doug Wilson. Um, it, it's it's a pretty good class, I think, this year. Doug, what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, Jerome McGinley and Marion Hosa to me are first ballot Hall of Famers. I, I assume this is their both of their first years of eligibility. Um, they absolutely deserve to be there. Doug Wilson, I mean, I remember Doug Wilson. I believe he was the first player picked by the San San Jose Sharks in their expansion draft. And I think he was a really good player. I know he played for the Chicago Blackhawks for quite a few years as well. But I was a little bit young to see Doug Wilson's, you know, peak as a player. But he's a good general manager. Uh, he was a really good player. I, I'm assuming, I haven't looked at his stats. I'm assuming he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Ken Holland, obviously, as a general manager and all the success he had in Detroit, you know, reasons why he's in the Hall of Fame now. Um, And Kevin Lowe, I mean, I hate that Oilers. I hate that Oilers dynasty of the 80s and the early 90s, or I guess it was mostly the 80s. Uh, Lowe, to me, was just a guy that was lucky to be there. (laughs) Um, He was an awful GM or president, whatever role he had with the Oilers, and he's his biggest he's his own biggest fan kevin Lowe, and uh yeah not a big fan of the guy but hey you know what congratulations welcome to the club kevin uh kim st pierre three-time olympic gold medalist for canada as well won the international women's world championships five times and the clarkson cup twice as well she's got a whole bunch of other accolades um i think that's a, a pretty good addition uh doug wilson and kevin Lowe. you look at their stats they're vastly different doug wilson 827 points in 1024 games kevin Lowe only put up 431 points in 1254 games uh is he hall of fame worthy well doug I'd, i don't think uh would would say yes doug wilson i think is um he's also he's going in as a player as well both of those guys are going in as players even though they have lots of other experience so maybe that also weighs into the decision yeah marion hosa and jerome mcginla though uh no brainers i assume their first ballots as well they really have to be uh jerome mcginla i mean Again, there's a lot of Calgary and Edmonton all over this uh, this one uh, th- this class this year, but I, I I would be tough pressed to find someone who watches hockey that isn't a Jerome McGinley fan on some level. In this country, of course, the Iggy call on the on the Golden Goal is a big thing. But even you know, I think about Aginla with the Flames and keeping the players out there to shake hands with the Twins or or Linden and and just a class act of a guy. Always had a bit of a smile on his face. He's really the epitome of sort of the the hybrid mark between the old school player and the new school player is because he could still score and skate and do all those things but he also had that touch of old school aggression uh, about him um I, I think he's he's just a class act and same with marion hosa uh, just another class act and just a, a, an amazing two-way forward uh, a guy who and i think towards the end of his career got more credit for what he did defensively but man he was just always a terror and he both those guys terrorized the canucks for years yeah i mean jerome mcginla is all class like you said you know keeping his calgary teammates out there um at the end of the game to shake the hands was it the sedines or was it trevor lind i think he did it for both okay because i thought i thought iggy had left calgary when the Sedins retired, but I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, he did. Maybe it was Linden. Maybe who, someone else maybe have done it for the Sedins. I, I should know. I was at that game. 
Yeah, but but regardless, like the guy is a complete class act. Uh, obviously, I'm a Canucks fan, you know, so I hate the Calgary Flames, but I would always cheer for Aginla. He was a guy that when he left Calgary and was kind of chasing that cup, I was kind of hoping he would finally, you know, win a Stanley Cup. I don't think he ever did. Um, but he was a guy that, you know, you're kind of hoping that, hey, you know what, I'd love to see Iggy get a cup, much like Ray Bork did with Colorado. Um, and Marion Hosa, yeah, like you say, man, he was a guy, didn't he go to like three straight Stanley Cup finals and lose? And the third one, I think he finally won. Yeah, he was on the wrong side of that Detroit-Pittsburgh series both times. Yeah, and then he finally won one. Um, and then I believe he won one in Chicago as well. But Hosa's, yeah, Hosa's, I don't know if he's, underrated for his generation but i feel like he's sort of underappreciated just how dominant he was both offensively and defensively and i again i think he hit the nail on the head pete with he really developed into a really really strong two-way player but could still put up 30 30 40 goals a season yeah, Hosa won four Stanley Cup in uh, six years as well, uh, which is which is pretty crazy. Uh, Thirteen hundred points on the nose for Ginla, eleven hundred thirty-four points for Hosa. Uh, that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, and then Ken Holland going in as the builder. Of course, now he's with Edmonton and is turning that ship around as well. Um, I'm sure you don't want to talk more about Edmonton turning it around, Doug. So I'm going <laughs> to leave this in though to another. Alberta story. Uh, well, Alberta ties uh, again. Um, Dion Phaneuf retiring, and I, I got to be honest, Doug. I thought he'd already retired. Yeah, there's been a couple of athletes lately that have come up and said, "Oh, hey, this person's retired." I'm like, "Well, I thought they retired already." Um, but yeah, Phaneuf officially retires. Uh, he was one of those players. I remember when he first came on the scene, he was dominant you know he had that great world juniors tournament um he was a monster a uh, little pierre Maguire shout out there uh no no, the no more Flames pierre Maguire shout outs please no more pierre Maguire shoutouts. <laughs> fair enough fair you don't you but, don't uh, like kevin lowe i don't like pierre Maguire. oh i don't like pierre Maguire <laughs> either so we're on the same page there um but he was dominant for Calgary those first few seasons. And then for whatever reason, he started to regress and he continued to kind of regress. And then he was traded to the Leafs and he had a bit of a resurgence in Toronto for a year or two. And then they gave him the captaincy and a giant contract and he was never able, able to live up to the hype of that contract. And yeah, for whatever reason, he's a guy that, you know, started off super high and then just seemingly fell off a cliff. Yeah, he had seven seasons in, in Toronto. That was his longest stint, but his highest point totals of his career, his four highest, were the first four years of his career. And he was also uh, in the Calder discussion in 05-06, but if I remember, that was uh, the Crosby-Ovechkin year, but he was still, he went from 49 to f- points to 50 points to 60 points. It was just like, wow, this guy's ceiling is unreal. 47 after that. And then just he got injured the year after that and then was traded uh, as, as well. And uh, it's just never quite got, a, got it back. I know with that trade with Toronto, that was like a 10-player a deal, if I remember, too. It was like a really big trade. Yeah, I think like names like Matt Stajan were part of that deal. And yeah, 
yeah, it was it was it was a bit of a surprising trade to be honest. But you know, I guess Calgary brass thought Fanouf needed a fresh fresh start, and yeah, to have a player that young and physical defenseman to put up you know close to fifty points. I mean, that's especially this day and age, it's not really heard of. And yeah, I mean, it's a shame that you know his career didn't get to the heights that I think a lot of people initially thought it would. But I think overall, you know, he did have a good solid career and. Yeah, he didn't ever achieve what I think a lot of people thought he would. But, you know, congratulations to Dion Phaneuf. Uh The 10-person trade actually was with Ottawa, but it was a seven-person one with Calgary. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, again, I thought he'd already retired, but wanted to give him a mention. He's a guy who played in Canada for a long time. Uh, he only played a season and a half in L.A. Uh, the rest of his career was all in Canada, which is also very unusual. But it means we saw... A lot of him, his last Canadian team was Ottawa, and the situation with the current Ottawa Senators is also worth mentioning. I mean, this is a team that's 100% vaccinated, and now they're saying at least 40% of the team has COVID, and this reminds me a lot of what happened with the Canucks last year. Yeah, uh, again, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, we're not quite out of it yet, and the pandemic is still really affecting people and affecting teams and lives and yeah i mean hopefully the players are okay and you know they're getting the proper rest and all that stuff uh there's a bunch of games that obviously have been postponed and yeah like i said hopefully there's no long-term symptoms on any of the ottawa senator players and they can get back to playing hockey once they're rested and healthy three games canceled so far and Again, the difference with this one is that vaccines uh, are there and they, the players have been vaccinated. Uh, so this one is kind of unique in the sense that, you know, we're playing in front of crowds and vaccine passports and and now you're seeing a team get hit like this. So it is a reminder that we're not out of the woods yet. I mean, geez, any, anyone will, will tell you that right now. I mean, this this thing just keeps on going and going. But, uh, you know, I feel for the Sens. It's, uh, it, it's a tough one, man. I mean, we all know in Vancouver what it's like. Yeah, I, like I said, every time we think we're almost out of it, something else happens, whether that's COVID-related natural disaster related it's just everything just keeps hitting these last two years man yeah, it's it's crazy hey last thing for uh for the around the room here just kind of a fun one um i was trying to think of, you know something fun to talk about uh that's just kind of a little more interesting so let's talk about some of the top rookies uh to start the year because we've seen a couple of them come through here we just saw trevor zegris and uh, jamie drysdale come through from anaheim this past week um detroit who we saw earlier in the year top two rookie scorers right now lucas raymond and mort cider and uh, like cider in particular that was a guy who when he was drafted a lot of people thought eiserman reached for him uh, a lot of people thought raymond fell to him uh, on the flip side but raymond's still coming in as young as he is and, and how good cider has looked uh pretty impressive uh those two over in detroit right now yeah i mean i feel like you slept this segment in because you have lucas raymond on your uh hockey pool sure there. do <laughs> but no uh you're right i mean raymond's been very very impressive to start his NHL career and Marit Sider, man, like 
right now, to me, I think he's my favorite to win the Calder, in my opinion. I know Raymond's got the points, and he's looking dynamic. But, you know, Sider's physical play, putting up points. I mean, he had that Cronwell-esque hit the other game, and, you know, every Detroit fan was just drooling over it. Um, He looks like the real deal, and, yeah, I remember a lot of people were kind of laughing at the fact that Iserman took him where he took him and thought that he could have drafted him later that round. But, you know, this is something we always hear at the draft. You know, it's like, oh, why didn't the Canucks trade down? Or why didn't this team trade down? They could have got that guy at number 10 instead of selecting him at number six. Well, you need a team to want to trade up. That's the other key to that whole thought process. And if another team isn't willing to trade up, then you're just going to take the guy you like. And clearly, the Red Wings and Iserman really like Marit Sider. And he's looking pretty smart right now they also have alex nedelcevic i that's a name i struggle with and i probably got it wrong uh in in net who leads the league in games played by rookie goalies as well so uh it's also kind of interesting there are 15 rookie goalies who've already played this year i think that's kind of a kind of a fun little stat um a couple other rookies of note dawson mercer of the devils he's got 11 points in 14 games um cole sillinger who is uh in, over in columbus eight points in 13 games bowen byram who we didn't get to see last night uh has looked really good and canucks fans love this one jonathan Dolan, six goals and two assists in 14 games for the sharks and getting some top line time as well yeah, I mean, the Jonathan Dolan one definitely hurts. He is older as far as rookies go. I mean, you're looking at guys like Lucas Raymond, Cole Sillinger, who's drafted this year. I think he, him and Mason McTavish might be the only two rookies from this last draft class that are actually in the NHL right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Jonathan Dolan thing, he's looking really good. Um, and we'll never know what really happened in Utica. Uh, you know, obviously he had a fallout with the coach at the time, who's still the coach there, Trent Call. And for whatever reason, Dolan wanted out and the Canucks traded him. And he went back and played in Sweden for a few years. And now he's ready to establish himself in the NHL. And he's looking really good. And he's looking like a guy that could really help the Canucks right now. But unfortunately, he's no longer on our team. Yeah, sure is. Vasily Podkolson, for those uh, who are wondering, he's tied for eighth in goals in rookie scoring with a whole bunch of guys. And I believe he's sitting uh, down around 29th in uh, scoring. So, I mean, again, it gets pretty tight down there. A couple points and you shoot right up. But um, Pod Colson is, is our big rookie. I've liked Pod Colson uh, from what I've seen so far. I just wanted to chuck that in here as a reference point. I mean, Lucas Raymond has 18 points uh, and Trevor Zegras has 10. And those are a couple guys that we've seen already. Hey, but let's talk Canucks and let's get Ryan on the line here. <laughs> Joining us now to talk all things Canucks is our guest for the week, Ryan Hank. You can follow him on Twitter at, hey, you know what, Ryan, why don't, why don't you just tell people how to say your Twitter handle? It's probably easier. Um, I am at Jack. Oh, wait, that's the Twitter guy. Um, at always 94, always 90FOUR. That's, that's me. That's me 99% of the time. And you also represent our podcast expansion team cousins that's what we always refer to you guys at the pp1 yeah i mean uh yeah we're we're expansion we we don't know if we're the sabers or not i mean (laughs) a year ago 
even a year and a half ago, it seemed like, you know, PP1 podcast was a pretty strong name. There was a lot to go on. Now it's like, do we just PK1? No, that's bad. Maybe <laughs> PP3, maybe like the Buffalo Sabres, something like that. So, yeah, we've, we're, we're hanging out over there, too. Yeah, it's nice to finally ha- have you on the Speakeasy, Ryan. Uh, we're finally completing the Trinity. We've had Ted on. We've had Braden on. And finally, we have Ryan Hank on. So uh, do you guys get to mail it away and get like a free prize from like Post Mills or something? Well, maybe from you guys. Do we get anything? A sticker? I mean, I got, a bumper sticker? I got a sticker. I mean, next time one of you guys in town, I can, I can give you the sticker. Well, I, feel I don't like think any of us are going to be. I don't think any of us are going to be in town for a while, given uh, the current state of the province. You got that plain money, though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what's, that, that what's it like uh, in what's it like in Kelowna right now? What's uh, the situation over there? It is. Uh, I've I've got a golden retriever that is desperately trying to make his way um, onto the couch here. Um, it's snowing. And by that, I mean, it's like your typical uh, first second week in november like snowfall we're just like test the waters you know it's like yeah it's gonna suck in a little bit but for now it's it's okay it's manageable we had uh like everyone else did that massive storm in uh, on monday uh my house uh, took a bit of a beating uh my gazebo was really jealous of uh the house so it decided to get closer and smoked into our house took out our railing Jeez. Um, damaged our uh our rental suites window so you know what? That's why you have insurance. It's all good. Ooh, what wow. was that? Was that me? Did I get an email? I can blame can blame the dog. No, I got I got an email. I'm gonna turn that off. I don't want to be hearing that. So yeah, it's I mean it's stormy. It was stormy, but other than that, we're 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 just kicking it. Like it's Kelowna. We, you know, we're just hanging out. <laughs> Um, what's been going on on the, the PP one these days. And, and again, also, I want to say apologies for having to bring you on with, uh, the current state of everything Canucks. So, uh, again, <laughs> this is the best time, man. This is the best time. Um, the PP one podcast we've, uh, we're going good. I think, uh, like we've all got some, we've all got pretty busy schedules right now. Um, Braden's got like, he's got a lot of the BCIT stuff going on in school. So, um, uh, he's been super busy. So we've been, we try to keep to our like Wednesday schedule and, you know, the dictator that I am, I always realize that I'm compassionate at some point, like, you know what, we just need to make sure we record this week. So I think we're going to record on Friday. So that's the plan anyway, and we'll have plenty to talk about. So I'm going to save some takes for my show, but I'll probably just say them because, you know, you have to listen to them one at a time and maybe I'll just change a few words. But, uh, you know, the podcast is going good. We've, uh, we've really enjoyed being a part of, uh, the the Canucks the Canucks arena of podcasts and um, it's been fun like who knew this was going to be something we get to now it's all like video chats and mm-hmm. went from just being able like oh I hope our voices sound good now it's like oh we need streaming software and we need good webcams and I don't know apparently that's what we signed up for so yeah, here we so are I, I saw you guys doing some uh, live stuff I kind of clued in uh, you and uh, you and Teddy there doing some stuff the other day I was uh, paying attention to that for a while I thought that was pretty cool every week know, man every that, week know, Doug and I can do that we don't really have uh, we have faces made for radio that's why we can eh, you know that. what look I mean I get made fun of my mustache and <laughs> my hairiness all the time it's it is what it is like you got what you got you got a good show you know just hang out talk about beer whatever people tune in so yeah like we live stream every week it's a lot of fun 
and we finally got like our, our chat working. So that's good. Even though nobody seems to be chatting on that show, our football show seems to be doing better, but um, yeah, it's, you know what it's, it's Canucks. There's always going to be something to talk about. You guys clearly know um, this week is no different. Yeah. And so let's start it there, Ryan. Uh, what, what is wrong with the Canucks right now? Like, are, are they broken? Like, what, what's going on? Yes. And we're done. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the interview, folks. Uh, well, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. it. Yeah. Yeah. This on, I just, it's been such a tough season, even before. Like, we kind of got hyped on, you know, the acquisitions of, you know, OEL and we got Dickinson, and we got Garland, and obviously Pod Colson making the team. We, Rathbone kind of making the team. Um, they finally figured out how to get Quinn Hughes and Patterson signed, even though that could have happened such a long time ago. And there's like that glimmer of hope, like, you know what? It's not going to be easy, but at least we kind of know what we have going in at the very least. Like we, we kind of knew what our baseline was and it couldn't get worse than that. It, it has like, it was going to be not great, but it was, you know, slowly climb and it just didn't. And now, you know, we're getting emergency press conferences from Jim Benning like today. And I haven't even seen the whole thing, but I've, I heard, I heard what I needed to hear basically. And it's an absolute joke. Like the franchise itself is in complete disarray from the absolute top. I don't know what it's going to take to get one of the other Aquilinis in charge. And basically, you know, you feel bad for these people because I mean, they're still human beings and we try to not make it completely, you know, fictitious, but the, the job that the coach and the job that the GM are doing, it all trickles down from the absolute top. So, You've got Francesco Accolini, who is essentially meddling his way. And I mean, he's got a nice shiny toy that he gets to play with. I mean, I'd love to own a hockey team. I am never going to, but I would love to. And he basically gets to call the shots from the top. And he wants to make sure that he thinks he's running it like it should be going. So then he tells that to Jim Benning. Well, then Jim Benning's job is then to tell Travis Green that. Travis Green to his players. Well, they still have the team that they have. And... The coach hasn't been able to do a whole lot with that. So some of it is on him because, you know, there's systems and schemes. That's the coaching staff. There's the GM that needs to make sure that the right people are on this team and not, you know, peddle away any hope of future, which seems to happen every year. And then you, you go and you look at the players and I mean, I don't know, like how many of us have actually not checked out, but I mean, if I have to choose between like if the Canucks are on right now and I'm watching the Thursday nighter like you guys are, I mean, I'm probably choosing the football game right now. And I like I bleed the Canucks. I do. I know you guys do, too. But I mean, it's at a point now where like I'm OK with maybe missing a game a year ago. I felt guilty. But now I just think like, you know what? You haven't shown us any growth. You haven't shown us that you guys care that this team is going to at least have some semblance of turning it around. It just, it isn't, it's not that. And I think we are at that breaking point. Now we're at the, you know, I I don't know what other fan bases have kind of had this, like you'd say Buffalo, but maybe not. I mean, the senators there, no one really cares about the senators, but like, I just feel like we're at a point now where like people are complaining 
And there has to be some kind of a change and it can't just be like, well, you know, let's, let's still do a wait and see approach. I just, I don't buy it. So you, you mentioned from the top down and, and this for me, I know Doug and I, we've talked about this a a lot. You you mentioned how it goes. It's Aquilini to Benning to green. And what a lot of top organizations have, they have a president, they have a hockey operations team. This is something the Canucks have never really invested in. And I, I think this is something that, we're starting to see now, you know, a lot of the people that they bring in and around the office, they're former players and they have ties to the organization. There's not a lot of these outside voices that come in and lend a a different kind of approach to it because I mean, this is just my opinion. I don't have a lot of concrete proof about it, but it feels like it, it there Franco doesn't want more hands involved kind of meddling with his, his shiny toy, as you put it. Yeah, I don't think so. That's a great point. It, I think if you're in that position to, I mean, again, own a sports franchise, you don't want a lot of people, you know, messing around. Like that's your thing. You decided this is what we should do, you know, as the the family, basically. I don't want, you know, think about like, do you guys have siblings? No. Yeah. So, I mean, I've got two younger sisters, so it's a little bit different, I guess. But like, you know, if I got to be put in charge of whatever happens to be, especially when you're younger, right? Like, I don't want you getting involved with this. Like it's my, this is my thing. Like you guys are going to listen to me. And I think this is just like the, the real world version of that, where like, you guys need to listen to me. I'm in charge of this team. I'm paying all the bills. I'm making sure that, you know, you guys are making this much money, so on and so forth. So let me, I know what I'm doing on top. I'm making sure you guys have the, you know, the advertising revenue coming in so we can keep signing these guys. And I'm making sure that, you know, this, this, and this are happening and we're, you know, maximizing box revenue, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, like he's doing a terrible job. Like he's live tweeting to like, be cool with the fans. Like you're an owner of a professional sports franchise. You shouldn't be tweeting at the fans just to like, Hey guys, yeah, it was pretty rough or it's tight, like a playoff game. And like, come on, man. Like, we're not like the hello fellow kids. Like we're not Steve Buscemi with a skateboard. Like this is real life. Like grow up. Yeah, I agree. Like I, I definitely think Aquilini Francesco is probably the biggest issue right now for this franchise. I know a lot of people look at Jim Benning and the way the team's constructed. And obviously that falls on his feet and some of the systems that aren't being put in place in regards to the on ice product that obviously is Travis green and the coaching staff. I mean, we're seeing guys like Zach McEwen being a serviceable penalty killer for the Philadelphia Flyers right now. And yet we decided to keep Steve chase on uh, instead of Zach McEwen. And we really could use a guy like Zach McEwen on our PK, but green never even deployed him in that role for whatever reason, a young, fast, physical player, never given the chance to really become a penalty killer for the Canucks. I think one of the biggest issues, and I've said this for, I feel like a couple of years now with Jim Benning is he's a yes man. So he lets Francesco dictate decisions because Francesco wants to have this team be in the Stanley cups playoffs and obviously try to win a Stanley cup. We all want that, but you can't take shortcuts and Time and time again, we've seen ownership try to take shortcuts, try to buy their way out of being in a hole by signing these gaudy contracts to bottom six players. Term is off by two, three years. The money is usually a million, million and a half too much. 
And yeah, right now this franchise, I think, is in quite a bit of trouble. Unfortunately, I know some people might agree with this, but it looks like Green will probably be the first head to roll. And then subsequently, maybe Jim Benning is out the door. But I have a question for both of you guys, because I actually think ownership has really kind of painted, painted themselves into a corner here. And I haven't actually heard anybody really talk about this during this really bad losing streak. And that is, is ownership and the Canucks not handcuffed themselves to Jim Benning with the hire of the Sedins last year? Because clearly that is who you are expecting to kind of take the next step and take over the role of maybe president or GM. But according to the reports from media, they didn't want to immediately ascend to a role like that. They wanted to kind of slowly work their way up. What GM that could potentially replace Jim Benning tomorrow is going to take a job when they're looking behind them and they see Daniel and Hendrick standing there that are probably going to be having that job in two, three years time or less or less. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, if they do bring in a, a, an interim GM, I think that's, I mean, it's, you have to have someone, but at the same time, do they put the Sedins in there and, you know, they're kind of maybe reaching out to maybe they have a guy like, I mean, I don't know. Trevor Linden doesn't work out because I guess he kind of got fired, but <laughs> maybe they have a guy that, that they are consulting in um, to like, I don't know. Do you have, I guess maybe this is what we find out. Maybe wise broad is the interim GM. Like, I mean, God. it sounds ridiculous. Exactly. But maybe he's kind of a guy and he knows full well, like, well, I know my job's going to be gone, but I can still add these other two guys. Like, I can essentially, hey, these are the kind of things. This is where the water cooler is. Um, this is the button to make coffee. Um, this is where we sign contracts. This is the line that I'm not allowed to use. Um, <laughs> you know, stuff. Maybe they have a guy like that. I mean, I would hate for that to be the guy in charge because, you know, maybe we end up trading for Tracy McGrady and it comes full circle. But uh, uh, maybe that's it. I, there, there can't be anybody outside. It would have to be within the organization because that's that's about the only way I think that kind of happens. But even then, you're not going to see heads roll. You'll see one, it would have to get really, really bad again. Like it'd have to continue probably for another, what, month? Maybe month and a half before the GM goes. And even then, like, I don't think like the smoke clears until like, I don't know, February, probably. Yeah. And I, I think as much as people don't want to hear this, I would be shocked if Benning is gone in the next couple of months. The last card he has right now is, is firing Travis green. That's kind of the next domino. It's kind of the next, next piece. And Doug, you said it as well. He's a, a Benning is a yes, man. There is something there. Whether it's Aquilini likes the way that Benning can do all the, un, the the paperwork and things like, hey, you've got to go do this. You've got to go do that. And he's the yes man. And that's why there's not a lot of people in the hockey ops department. Um, the green will be the next domino if this continues. But I, I I do think it's a it's a if you're grooming the Sedins to be the next GM or co-GMs or however you do it it's it's an awkward spot right now for anyone to be in and with the kind of the stench that's hanging around this team right now it, i don't think a lot of experienced gms would want to come in unless they had complete autonomy and be like hey 
this is I'm making the call. And maybe there would even be, you know, someone coming along with with a president role like, hey, I'm only coming in here if there's this person or someone of equivalent value comes in and is the buffer between ownership and how we run the team, because the best teams, they generally have that buffer and the, the owners are hands off like, Hey, you guys know what you're doing. I'm going to put smart people in there to do what I want to do or what, what we want the best for the team. And we're going to stay hands off. And that's not being the case here in Vancouver. Yeah. I, and I'll just add one more thing. It needs to be somebody from the inside. Cause you're right. Anyone on the outside, why would they want to take a job right now? Yeah. Why? Well, like the only people that are really eligible are the Sedins and Wise Broad. Yeah. Well, Dean Lombardi, there was a report about a year and a half ago that mm-hmm. Aquilini mm-hmm. had reached out to Dean Lombardi, I think twice about coming in for a potential presidential role and he turned him down. That's the other thing is, I mean, word spreads, right? And I don't think any hockey executive with any kind of experience or Stanley Cup pedigree wants to come into a franchise where the owner is going to be calling him every day, asking him questions, saying, hey, why aren't we acquiring this player? Let's acquire that guy. Steve Chason's really good on the power play. I watched a couple of games in Edmonton and he was playing with that McDavid guy. And if we can get half of the goals he got playing with McDavid, playing with Pedersen, we could have a top five power play. It's like, who the mm-hmm. fuck wants that? Nobody. No one's yep. going to take this job. And that's why you're, I don't want to say stuck because I do think the Sedins are smart and they're bright hockey minds. But that's why, like I said, I think right now we're kind of handcuffed to Benning. Unless, like you said, Ryan, if it goes to absolute shit the next month and, you know, the, this team continues to spiral. But Green, I agree with you, Pete, will definitely be the first domino. And if that doesn't give the team a boost, because you often see him in Chicago now is on what a four or five game winning streak since firing their coach, they're actually ahead of the Canucks in the standings. And so if that doesn't give an immediate boost to the team, if they did fire green, you got to assume Benning is next, but I mean, Benning and Wisebrod, I mean, to me, they're also kind of hand in hand with each other. And do you want an interim GM making long-term decisions for your franchise? It's no. all connected right now. It's all connected right now. It's awful. Yeah, man. Doug, I can tell you like Chase on so much because you're referring to him <laughs> as uh, as Steve Chase on. May he rest in peace. Uh, but I can tell you're uh, you're you're a big fan of that. And you know, you, you mentioned Zach McEwen. Uh, I, I mean, I, I was I was saying, and I still stand by this: is that look, Zach McEwen is kind of one of those guys who's in. He's a, he's a player who is going to get picked up on waivers, but he's not a difference maker. I was more upset about the losing of Jonah Gadjevich because that was a guy who seemed to finally have improved his skating and just kind of improved his step. But I mean, this is, we seem to be kind of pointing fingers more at the top levels here. Aren't we guys? Like, I mean, obviously like I've got a lot of frustrations with Travis green right now, but if you're talking about this, this three level hierarchy with the way things are going and these are the tools he's given, like it, there's, there's so much blame to, to point at everyone. Like, I don't even know where to, to start right now. Like it's the easy option. Like at face value, Travis green would be the guy. And I mean, we've all been on Benning for so long, but right now, today, this week, this month, the past, you know, 10 games, it has been Travis Green. They haven't been able to get Pedersen up to where he should be. 
I mean, Quinn Hughes looks good, but he doesn't look great. And I, again, statistically, he's just fine. But I mean, Connor Garland has come in. He's looked great. But like, you're really grasping at straws to, to make this team look good. And that's, that's not good. Like we should, we should be looking like, well, Patterson's a couple points behind where he normally would be. Okay. He missed, you know, X amount of training camp and, you know, Miller, you know, he only has X amount of goals and like, we're just grasping at straws for everything right now. And uh, yeah, Travis green would probably be the guy. And yet a year ago, we're all freaking out because he hadn't signed a contract yet because he was a lame duck coach. And now we look at this team and we're thinking like, all right, well, I mean, I did believe that. And now I'm thinking, well, he's not getting anything out of anybody. And whether you're Elaine Vigneault or you're Pat Quinn or, you know, whoever, um, Scotty Bowman, whatever, like you can tune coaches out and maybe this entire situation has just absolutely saddened everybody on that roster or the people that matter. And they're, you know, whether they want to be or not, maybe they have checked out a bit and they just, they just need that fresh voice. Maybe they just need to know like, Hey, there is a change. We need to get back on our game. We need to make this, we need to be accountable at least on our level because it looks like they're starting to get accountable on their level or at least the vision of that anyway. Well, yeah, coaches do lose the room and it does feel to me like there is a bit of that going. And it is funny how quickly we, we all turn on on green, right? Because we all wanted him re-signed. Why is this not happening? Blah, blah, blah. And now we're like, geez, uh, it's just for me, it comes down to like it's not entertaining right now. It's like, yeah, OK, like Pedersen, he's got some stats. Hughes, Hughes is right up there with the defenseman scoring leaders right now, but it doesn't look right. It's it, it just. It, things don't look right. Pedersen doesn't look right. Hughes doesn't quite look right. And whether you can credit that to, you know, not having a Tanev type person still to, to play with or having this rotating cast of characters, doesn't matter. The best players should be the best players. And we, we're pointing fingers at, at ownership, management, coaching. It's the players at the end of the day who aren't getting this done as well. So, uh, I, it's it's for me that it's just like there there's there's so many different ways we can we can look at this uh, but like Travis Green with the, the special teams that for me that's something that's showing like hey wh- what is going on here like it's not getting any better it's it just seems like the power play it's the same deployment it's the same systems that we've seen for year forever and the PK no, not true not true there's one there's one are difference you, are you going to say the drop pass it's gone <laughs> somebody sold their soul for the drop pass and this is what we actually got so maybe they need to go i maybe that's it maybe they need oh, to go back to the drop and i mean you know i feel like i'm cursing at that point but maybe they do but even like having Brock Besser be the nut net front presence on the power play, like why he's probably your second best shooter on the team and you've got him standing in front of the net. Like that's not what his role should be on the power play. I just, it just doesn't make sense. And there's just this weird deployment of players. And, and again, I know Benning takes a lot of the heat for guys, but the coach has a lot of influence on players as well. And players that can sign. And, you know, there were reports that, Green is the guy that wanted Chase on Alex Chase on, by the way. <laughs> um, but uh, got it right the third time. Hey, that's third time's a charm. Exactly. But uh, you know, he was the guy that wanted Chase on on the team. There was reports that 
Green was the guy pining for Be- Beagle with, during that free agent year, right? He really wanted a guy with Stanley Cup pedigree, just won a Stanley Cup. Um, so I do think Green, and again, I don't know how much influence Green has had on some of the decisions as far as player construction goes, but I mean, he's the guy that says, no, I don't want this guy on the team. I let's send him down to Utica. That's green making those decisions, right? It's not Jim Benning. Obviously Benning's got a voice and he would have an opinion in it, but you know, I mean, I've heard Brian Burke say this before when I forget who it was, it was a player. He said, came to him and they were complaining about their ice time. And Brian Burke said, I'm not the coach. Go talk to your head coach. That's who you need to talk to about ice time. Not me. And I don't know if Benning is like that or not, but Green is definitely making some of these decisions as far as who's on the team, who isn't when it comes to waivers and players being sent to the AHL. And yeah, I mean, I liked Green. I think his hype really kind of grew and is, you know, coming out of the bubble. And maybe that was the worst thing for this franchise was the little bit of success they had in the bubble because it was almost like a facade. But it didn't now, feel it though. No, it, it didn't, didn't feel it at You're the right. time. You're right. It felt legit. We're always tricked, though, right? It's like yeah. you go to the you go to the club, you know, you're out there, you're young, you know, everybody's, you know, having a few drinks, the lights are on, everybody's dolled up, you know, you got your cool, uh, get your cool jacket on with your cool like '80s T-shirt and your your really expensive jeans. You've done your hair well, you know, and you're you're seeing the girls out there and they're looking pretty good, and and then you know, just re- reality kind of sets in like that's not real. Like yeah, that's yeah. a fun time, but tomorrow, if all the, all these people go to work, all these people are going to go back to reality. You might see them at Starbucks. You might happen to see, if, oh yeah, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, I know. But now I uh, I'm an accountant, and and I do <laughs> like it's it's not all fun and games. Like that was a fun little one off, and yeah, it felt good. Like somehow they made the playoffs based on a point percentage, but you know we also saw exactly what they still were, and I mean. You can get hot. We've seen teams do it every single year. You can get hot. But the really good teams, they're the ones that keep going. And then it just, they got buried after that, obviously. You know, the Tyler Toffoli thing, we could bring that up every single week on every single show that has to do with the Canucks. And it still sucks that that happened because they went after a guy who no longer plays for this team and is potentially under a criminal investigation. So, like, that's one thing. And then you get into all the other guys and think, oh, well, why didn't they just, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't choose these guys or why they didn't keep this guy. That is a GM thing. So it was a combination of those things. Like if Tyler Toffoli, and I hate bringing him back because it just breaks my heart. But if, if, they, if they believe like that that's where they needed to be and they were about to build on it, he should have been one of like four players on that team that had to come back. Yeah. Like it should have been that way. It shouldn't have been, oh, well, we're going to circle back on him or Tanev or like, no, 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 no. Your priorities should have been dead set on the guy you already have, not on maybe something somewhere else, like an OEL or uh, was it Petrangelo was the other one? OEL was certainly uh, the distraction. Yeah. So just they, they should have just focused on that. That was one mistake amongst many others. But if you really believed in that bubble, I mean, I did for a little while. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought maybe there was something to go with there. If you really believed in that, that already should have been one of your locks for the next season. And soon as it wasn't, that just sighs. Like, all right, well, they better have something better than that. And I they- think 
well, I also think what happened with Toffoli, unfortunately, is he was injured for, I believe, the majority of that Minnesota series and half of the St. Louis series. Yeah. So he really wasn't one of the contributing members to the success in the bubble. So I'm guessing when the offseason came and they looked at their books and saw that they were under this cap, they were cap strapped. Yeah. Figured, well, you know what? Maybe Toffoli is a guy we could let go for this because, you know, look at the success we had in the bubble and he wasn't really there game in game out because he missed all these games. But again, that's such a wrong way to look at the situation. And exactly. again, I don't know exactly what they did, but like you just gave up future assets for this guy. And, you know, you, your intention, at least to the fans and to the media was, oh, this isn't a rental. We want to sign him long-term. We targeted this player because we think he's a long-term player for our team. And then, yeah, you get distracted with the OEL thing. And then you decide to circle back after not talking to he or his agent for, what, three days in a free agency. And Foley's like, well, screw this, man. Yeah, and peace. yeah, exactly. And Montreal signed him and good for them. Yeah, like just that's a failure on two fronts then. Because Jim Benning had the authority to be like, okay. You know what? And the regular season, he was getting it done for us. Yep. And then, yeah, he didn't do 100% in the bubble, but we saw enough of him where he was contributing. So that's Jim Benning. That's one guy. And then it does. It trickles down to Travis Green. Man, he was such a good fit on this team. He was a great guy in the locker room. And he really got the most out of PD and out of Besser and all. Like everybody was able to, to make this, you know, we were a little deeper down the lineup and he failed to, to get his voice out there. Again, it was one guy, and again, we, we don't have to, to dive too deep anymore on this, but it was one guy where that's one thing they could have carried forward, signed him to that four-year deal, and now we're talking about a few different things. Maybe we don't have to talk about, you know, it might still be bad this year, but at least there was another guy like, well, scoring isn't where it should be, but, you know, they, this team could be better. But, you know, what they have is, well, we got rid of this guy and we got rid of this guy and we got rid of this guy and we let this guy walk and we waved this guy. And the only thing that's working for us is goaltending. And then they come out in a press conference today and basically, oh, I don't know what's going on. Like, we're going to find out what's wrong. Well, and this is something else, uh, you know, again, not to harp on the Toffoli trade, but this has been something that we've seen more and more over uh, the last little while is the and what's causing a lot of of concern for fans is the depletion of the prospect pool this was something that for a little while there we had a really good one we had uh we were ranked at, i think as high as third or fourth at one point in terms of the the prospects that we had i don't know what we are now but there's not a lot in the system and you know trading first rounders trading seconds trading thirds having picks go to seattle the to san jose uh it's it's really depleted what we have and this is why i i think uh, I think this is just kind of amplifying why the fans are so upset right now. It's not like, well, at least we have the first rounder from this year and the other year coming up. And we got a couple guys like help is on the way help isn't. And it really creates this bottleneck with the team right now. It's like, okay, well now what do you do? You have these guys who are entering their prime, but what, uh, what do you do? Like, uh, do you have the tools to surround them and, and build a contender right now? It's like, I don't know. And then you have the person who is in charge who can do that. And the answer is no right now from what we've seen after eight years. And this is what is causing Canucks fans to fret. It's like, well, oh, okay, maybe if we make a couple of jiggles and we trade and we just need some more help on the blue lines, so maybe we can trade some picks or maybe we can do this. And it's more just like putting band-aids on the problem. Yeah. 
Can I just say something before you say something, Doug? Mm-hmm. I'm looking at us right now, and I know this is a, a podcast, not a video, but I'm looking at the progression of our hairstyles. We've got like, you know, Pete's down there with like the buzz do. I've got like the middle kind of short hair. And then like you finish it off with just like that flow. I feel like it's the progression and like you're like the final final boss kind of thing like that is where we will evolve to it just Doug's, Doug's like the eighth week of the chia pet yeah like i love it it's great just the bob ross it. version <laughs> it's, it's just it's so glorious i love it just minus any artistic it. ability whatsoever yeah i mean who's who's gonna who's gonna achieve that really <laughs> hey uh one thing i just wanted to uh Going back to green here, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on like how long do you think the leash is? So we got the Jets and the Blackhawks to finish off this homestand. The Blackhawks are one of three teams we've beaten in regulation uh, so far this year. Uh, and then it's a road trip. Uh, and it's a, what is it, a five-game road trip, I think, here? Yeah, five-game road trip. Um, so like is, is the leash, is it before that? And then also just on Travis green, uh, something that I tweeted out, got a lot of response, um, after what, what, what game was it, Doug? Uh, the, the three pointer game was that against uh, Vegas or I think it was the Vegas game. Um, he had three points. He was, he had a fantastic game. Niels Hoglander did, and he had the second lowest ice time on the team behind your boy, Steve chase on Doug. Um, <laughs> and, and, like this is something for me that's on the coach level is the player deployment. I know the pod Colson thing that always kind of rattle us going back to Brock Besser. He, uh, when he had his first couple of games, he was a healthy scratch and uh, we were all uh, up in arms, but there does seem to be a bit of this, like, you know, the green element of bringing in the vets and playing the vets and uh, may not be the best spot for, for young guys a lot of the time, but how long is a leash? Cause I think we all agree that the next domino is, is Travis green. That's the only card that Benning has left is, is Travis green. So what happens? Like, let's say if the Canucks lose against Winnipeg and Chicago here to end up this homestand is, is that it? Like, I mean, we're just guessing here. Nobody knows what goes through the heads of Francesco and, and Jim these days, but what do you guys think? When, when would, how long is this leash on Travis green? I would assume it's after the Chicago game, right? Just before you're about to go on a road trip. I, I think if they lose to the Jets and lose to Chicago, especially Chicago, who isn't really a good team and had that horrible start, um, but they've had a bit of a boost with the coaching change. I think if if the Canucks don't get at least one of two wins against the Jets in Chicago, I think that could be the end of Travis Green, personally. I'm going to add to that. I absolutely agree with that. I'm just looking at the schedule right now. So tomorrow night, and then you've got Sunday at five. I think they're going to lose both of those games, to be perfectly honest. One of them is going to be ugly. And I bet it it's not going to be the one you think. It's going to be the Chicago one. Chicago, I mean, the Jets, I think it'll end up being close and we're all going to be fooled. It's going to be a game that like they'll just lose, maybe in overtime. And then it's going to get just ugly against Chicago. But then they don't play till Wednesday against Pittsburgh. So are you going to bring a coach that you're going to fire all the way across the country and then fire him like mid road trip, especially I mean, on an Easter with Gallant, right? They got him that cab after they didn't even get him a cab after the game. I would, they? I would hope that they're a little bit better than that. Now that's the tough thing is they've got the Bruins and the Canadians. Like uh, there's a couple games in there where like you want a coach to make sure like you want to trust a coach in one of those 
in one of those games, and maybe they bring up Trent. Uh, they wouldn't bring up Trent Call for a couple games, would they? I don't. I don't think so. But you never know, right? Yeah. yeah I just. I just don't know. Um, Sunday it happens. It happens. Blackhawks Sunday actually night. are. Uh, the Blackhawks are tied with the Canucks in points now. After as bad as as they've been, and they played mm-hmm. one less game um, as well. And the Jets, like I said, second worst penalty killing in the league. So maybe we'll see uh, something there. But yeah, it's. I mean. Right now, the way the team is playing, it feels like every game is a hard game. It doesn't matter if it's the Blackhawks or the Lightning. It just feels like it's it's a hard game right now because the, I just like the entertainment value is not there. The team isn't buying into the systems or following systems, mm-hmm. and like I, I don't know. Like I mean, there's a part of me that I mean, I do believe not a part of me. I do believe that this team is better than what we're seeing, and that for me, it comes down to, to coaching. I agree. Yeah. The systems are just, like I said a little bit earlier, like everything's in disarray right now. There isn't, there isn't a power play um, opportunity that looks good. The penalty kill within 30 seconds is over because they're getting scored on. Like, it's just, there's no trust at all there. I don't think in any one of us, like there's, there's no bright light. There's no silver lining of anything right now on this team. And you have to be frustrated if you're inside that locker room. There's no, there's no players only team meeting. There's like, that's not going to solve this. This isn't going to get fixed overnight. This is going to be a grind of probably the next couple months. They can slowly start making a little bit of headway, but this isn't Burrow scoring against Carolina and flipping the script and then going on a run. Like there is so much more going on with that team. And it's, they're going to have to fix little, little, little things. Like they're going to have to be period by period right now. Yeah. I mean, the only thing in my opinion that has been consistent game in game out and even get having back-to-back seven game, seven goals against is the goaltending. I think the goaltending has been the most consistent and probably the best part of the Canucks game, game in game out this year, despite giving up seven goals against Vegas and Colorado. Uh, the goaltending has been good. And even last night, Demko made a really nice split save to kind of keep the Canucks in it before they gave up that backbreaking third goal. Um, and right now, you know, that's the only part of the Canucks game consistently that you can count on. And I agree with what Pete said. I, I don't think obviously this team constructive has flaws the way it's constructed, but I don't think this team is as bad as they're playing. And the fact that they are underachieving so poorly, I think it, it does fall on Green's feet right now. It really does. So we've we've played a lot of the blame game. And um, I wanted to kind of end this with uh, just, we'll go around the room here. We'll start with Ryan and, and then go over to you, Doug. But I mean, this is a loaded question. Um, but if you were in charge, what would you do with this team? If you were, you, you, had, you had all the power right now what would you do ryan you start there where what what all the power like am i okay let's say let's say aquilini is gone let's say you've you've now just bought the canucks you know you've used all your fantasy football earnings in in draft kings and stuff and (laughs) and you've you've flipped and you flipped it and you've got enough and you go up to francesco and you say hey i'm buying the team he said good because these this fan base is crazy i'm out of here um so you're now the owner of the Canucks. What do you do? Wow. Thank you for, uh, thank you for this honor. 
Um, I didn't know I had all this money out of nowhere. So this is great. <laughs> it's been um, quite the year. I, I, first and foremost, probably, I mean, I got to get myself a new chair, a new desk, first and foremost, because, I mean, I don't want to. All the business that was happening at that that chair. I want my own chair that's for me, that's comfortable, so that I can feel comfortable about this job. I would say there's a couple things, and I, I'm going to include them all into one. First and foremost, you bring back, not entirely, but enough that it's visible. You get the fans back on your side, you bring back the skate jersey, first and foremost. that's that's you You got to buy yourself at least a bit of time, right? And then I think... It's it's tough to say just fire people because that's that's like the uneducated thing to say like oh just fire the GM fire the coach you have to have a plan and I think if everything that I remember about I mean a guy like Lawrence Gilman would be great to have back Mike Gillis isn't going to come back unless he has complete autonomy now if I'm in charge then he would have that because I know that he knows how to now run a team differently than the last time he was given that opportunity so. I would definitely make sure I, I would probably I would basically come out and I would have like my one press conference and I would tell everybody, listen, I'm not making a move yet. I'm not going to fire the coach and I'm not going to fire the general manager yet. I need to see what I have. I need to know what my next step is. And when I know that, I promise you things will be made. Maybe I'll keep the coach and maybe I'll keep the GM because maybe there's something I can see that works. But if not, like it's basically a vote of I'm not ready. I'm not going to say it's a vote of confidence or disapproval, but you need to know that when I figure it out, it's all going to happen. But I'm going to be honest. And if I screw it up, you tell me and I will make sure that I own up to it. The only thing that has really plagued this franchise, and I'm stepping away from me being the owner for a second, the only thing that has plagued this franchise more is the dishonesty, is the lying. If we were fed even a, a, a morsel of truth, of clarity of what's going on, I think we would have been able to stomach a lot of this, at least to understand and think, okay, I don't agree with it, but you're being fair. They haven't been any of that. So that would be the first couple of things I do. I don't think I would be ready to pull the trigger myself. Because like Mike Gillis, when he came to the Canucks, I don't know if the Sedins are the guys we're going to build this franchise around. But if I find out they are, you better believe I'm going to build around them. That was my long-winded answer. And, no, and also the new good. Great answer, answer, man. And, oh, and I want to make sure that I've got a bag of beef jerky for my first day. <laughs> got to get the, the snacks in there. That's important. Yeah. You want, to be, you want to make decisions on a full stomach, not an empty stomach. No, I, I really like your idea of uh, bringing back the skate jersey because that gets the fans off your back. So you mm. have that time to assess what you have or what you don't have in a coach and a GM. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a, that's a great shout out. And then obviously the, the honesty. And I think that has plagued this management group and ownership since Gillis has been gone is just the lack of transpar transparency and owning their mistakes. They won't own any mistakes. They still don't admit to yeah that was the bad move to sign to this day to today i know, I know. It, it just boggles my mind uh pete i think you know what the first move i would do like it, it kind of goes without saying the first move i would do if i became the owner of the canucks i would be getting on a flight to moscow and i would be tracking down igor larionov 
and I'd be giving him whatever he wanted to come and become the team president. And I would let him assess Jim Benning, the coaching staff, the players we have, and go from there. But Igor Larionov, the professor, I think he's one of the more brilliant minds in hockey. He's also a former agent, a la Mike Gillis. And he is the guy that I would love to see come over to North America and be a president for the Canucks. I just want to see more Europeans be given jobs in the NHL. I mean, Yarmo Kikalainen is one of my favorite GMs in the league. And And names. And names, exactly. And I don't know what his contract status is, but like he'd be another guy I'd be reaching out to. But no, my first thing would be getting on a flight to Moscow and then tracking down Igor Larionov and getting him to sign on the dotted line to become the team president and giving him full autonomy. And then I would throw the Canuck jersey out, uh, the skate jersey out as well. I mean, I'm going to steal your thunder there or steal (laughs) your idea. No, you're not stealing. You're you're embracing what we all believe to be true. I agree. What about you, uh, Pete? I would certainly uh, be hands off. I mean, you see it with this market. Yeah, you have to be. I would hire um, a president and give them full reign to build the team around them and uh, create positions, uh, You know, work on the scouting department. Uh, that's something I would invest a lot into. But have it so that the president is that buffer. Yeah, I don't talk to the GM. I don't talk to the coaches. The president's the buffer, but they're basically just telling me what's going on. I'm not giving them the direction, but make sure it's smart people. Hey, I like the Igor Larionov one in there, former Canuck uh, as well. Um, as, as you know, I, I like that. Uh, I don't know if he'd be my pick, but he'd be someone I'd reach out to. And, and then have it go from there. But uh, I don't know, like this team, it's, it's a tough spot right now um, with, is it like, I don't know. I feel like you're, you're kind of stuck right now. It's not a rebuild. It's never been a rebuild. Um, but uh, I would be, I'd be hands off, but I would be getting an experienced, smart person in there to be president and then building it out from there and then letting them build out the organization, but giving them free reign because uh, it, it is the trickle down effect. That's what we've, we've, we've talked about. We, we, I mean, we could have laid a lot more blame on the players today, but we, we blamed the players. We blamed the coach. We blamed the general manager. We've blamed the owner. We haven't actually blamed the officiating at all, which is kind of a, amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's we we can do that whenever we want. We all know that to be true. Yeah, even that's, when the Canucks are winning, we can blame the officiating. Exactly. So that's, so that's more of a constant, I guess. Um, yeah, but, we almost you almost need that. Just like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. We hate that. The only department we haven't really blamed is the goaltending, and I think we can all agree that Ian Clark, Thatcher Demko, and and Halak have done a, a good job back there. Um, that's some of the, the new guys. Thing. That's yeah. the one thing he's made one solid move, even though, again, it went overdue and, you know, he had to, you know, final hour Ian Clark. That was that was a solid, solid signing. And they basically went all in on Thatcher Demko. And like, if there's one little thing that he's done well, again, a little later than he should have been, he still locked it in and got um, Ian Clark locked up and cause that would have probably been the last thing that probably would have been the one thing that where goaltending did suffer at some point. And at least we have that. We can start building from the net out. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, at least, at least we have that. Brian, thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Oh, it looks like Doug wants to Doug's got a question Um, in the back. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Uh, I do have one question for you, Ryan, a little off topic, 
I know you're a massive coffee guy. Oh, yes. Fill me in. Do you watch James Hoffman videos at all? James Hoffman. No, Uh, dude. So what am I missing out on James Hoffman? You got to watch James Hoffman on YouTube. It's coffee porn, dude. Coffee porn. Like, uh, wait, like I'm telling you, like this guy. Like, is there is there is there actual porn? in? No, no. Like I can I can tell my wife, like, this is coffee stuff. Don't worry. Yes, 100 percent. But no, I'm telling you, dude. You want to watch this guy review a 3,000 pound coffee grinder for espresso? I mean, James Hoffman, here we go. Square mile coffee. I'm following him right now. You have to watch this guy. This guy's amazing. Okay. If you're a coffee fan, watch his videos, man. Uh, I'm trying to convince my fiance to get me, uh, to let me get a Gaggia classic so I could start making my own espresso and all this stuff. But dude, how much they- does that go for? What does that machine go for? So there's there's one on eBay that actually has the nine bar spring in it, and it's got the actual attack of the I guess uh, attachment slash mod of the actual temperature that the water's heating up to. And yeah, it's, yeah. the current bid was four hundred eighty three Canadian, which I think okay. is pretty good, man, with those mods. But James Hoffman, dude, you gotta watch him. I know you're a big coffee guy, Ryan. I am. Shout I am. That so, guy out. So um, British as-, as well. British we were, guy, and he's like the coffee guy. As we were recording here, um, I, I work, uh, I sell flooring, and I work with a bunch of designers. And I just got a text from one of uh, the designers I work well, she's a builder, I guess. She goes, "Coffee sampling?" Question mark, and then sends me a picture of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten bags of looks like they're all ground, and I'm cool with that. Um, she forgot to cancel her subscription <laughs> or pause it. So she's cut 10 bags of all these random, like, I'm just looking at all of them and I uh, like, I'm jacked just to even see these. <laughs> um, so I'm definitely going to be having a mad sesh with her, um, of coffee. Cause you're right. I absolutely love it. There's a machine that I was at a customer's house last year and I've like obsessed about it ever since. And there's a brand called rocket. Have you ever heard of this? No. So it's like, it's basically like it looks like a commercial machine, but residential. And these things go anywhere from four to 10 grand. But they're like, it's you just see it. And all you can think of is I, like, I don't need this, but I need to find a way to justify buying this at some point in my life. Like they've got these huge, like, like sprockets on, on like the, like, just Google it and, and check it out. There's a site called idrinkcoffee.com, like with the letter I. Um, and it's like, it's unreal. Like you talk about like coffee porn, like this is just like, this is the hub. Like they've got all the Breville. They've got the, um, uh, whatchamacallit, the Jara, like all these, all these brands. And like, they'll have um, refurbished ones or like, you know, you know, open box kind of stuff. And even then, like, you're still paying top dollar for a lot of this, but you just look and you're like, I like that one. And I like that one. Oh, and that grinder looks really nice. Oh, it's only, uh, only $900 for a bean grinder. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. And it, Oh, it's got this one. And, and like, you just sit there. I get these emails all the time. I have no intention of buying them ever, but it's just like, it gets in your inbox and you're just like geeked out to the max. So I'm going to check out this James Hoffman guy and probably watch this for the rest of my night. Most likely I'm going to end up going on Amazon and just buying something new. And I'm going to give uh, my wife your phone number so that she can yell at you because <laughs> now we don't have any money. We can't afford a mortgage this month. So, um, but we have good coffee. So absolutely. I'm Jack to check this dude out. Uh, and you said he's British. Yeah. 
so he's he knows what he's he's doing out there that's awesome love it thank you for that I love it too. I'm a, I'm a big coffee guy as well, but I think you, you guys might take it to the next level. Um, Ryan, you're getting the animals walking all over you. Over oh, too. This you're, is, this is our house, man. Like I have to see like the wife and kids were out at speed skating tonight. Uh, my one kid was skating. Uh, my wife coaches. So I was home till what time we got just about seven o'clock. So I was by myself. So I can't close any doors because the dog will freak out. The cat will freak out. We've got two cats. This one, he just doesn't care. Um, but if I, if I close doors, it's all bets are off. I'm going to end up paying for it at some point. And, uh, I just don't need that in my life. So I leave the door open. So this is pretty much free reign in the den here. So right on, Ryan, I'm going to thank you again, unless, uh, Doug has any more YouTube channels, uh, you need to check out. Nope. Nope. He's good. All right. (laughs) Ryan, if you got one, I will. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Say hi to the other guys. I'm glad we finally completed a yeah. PP one hat trick. Uh, you can send us a bumper sticker. Um, we appreciate it. And yeah, thanks, thanks for, for thanks having for, me. This has thanks, been a blast. Man. Like I, you guys are you guys are good people. Um, obviously, when the world is good again, uh, the doors open uh, for a Kelowna meetup, and we got a I got a really cool machine here that I can fit up the four people on. So um, we get up the mics and have a we'll have a nice little roundtable chat. Excellent. Nice. Right on. Ryan from PP1 and Canucks Army. Thanks for joining. No, us. no, 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 I'm done. No Canucks Army? No, I'm I'm done with that. I I, I needed a breather. Oh, well, there you go. Past okay. past tense. Formerly okay. of. Alumni. Cool. Right on. Take care, Ryan. We'll we'll see you again. Thanks, guys. It's that time of the episode for the free pour open floor segment. And I just wanted to talk about fantasy football again. Uh, Pete, you and I are actually playing each other this week. Uh, you're currently first place in our league. I'm currently in fourth. Um, just made a pretty massive trade, I believe. Uh, I traded the likes of Deontay Johnson, Kyle Pitts, and Nick Chubb to the co-commish of our league, Craig Shereen. And I was able to get back Jamar Chase and Travis Kelsey. Uh, I've got the Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey stack now, which I'm pretty stoked for. Um, But yeah, man, fantasy football. I believe this is our ninth year doing it. Uh, Our league's super competitive and it's lots of fun. And yeah, man, if you're not playing fantasy football, you're doing football wrong. I wanted to talk about... The game of the week. You know, we talk about the Canucks a lot and how they're causing us to bang our heads against the wall. But how about the Team Canada effort against Mexico? Following up on the previous game as well in Edmonton. But that Mexico game, man, that was something else. Who would have thought that we'd be at a point in life where Canada is beating Mexico in soccer, football, whatever you want to call it in Canada and sitting on top of the World Cup qualifying group. Like they now have the inside edge with six games left. I am super stoked about this. Uh, the thought of Canada going to the World Cup. But man, that game, that was something else. That's going to get us smiling. Canada is going to finish 2021 on top of their group and going into the final stages of World Cup qualifying. Man, that was awesome. What a game. As much as the Canucks are pissing me off, I'm super stoked on the Canadian men's soccer program right now. 
Thanks for tuning in, folks. Episode 93, just about in the books. And thanks to Ryan Hank from the PP1 podcast for finally joining us from our expansion cousins and finally confi- completing the trifecta, the trinity of getting all three of those guys on the yeah, show. Yeah, it was long overdue to have Ryan on the speakeasy, and we had a great conversation trying to dissect everything that is wrong with the Canucks currently and where do you really start? <laughs> but uh, no, um, it was great to have him on. Uh, we'll definitely have to get him on again. And yeah, man, it's just, you know, where do we go from here, I guess, is what I think a lot of Canucks fans are thinking to themselves right now. Yeah, and what will next week's episode be like? I mean, geez, we got a handful of games. We finish this homestand. We go out on the road by the time we record again. Uh, I guess we'll probably have to record on Thursday next week because uh, Canucks uh, play Wednesday. So, I mean, what will the state of the team and, and the fans and the media be like after another three games? It's uh, I feel like we've lived an entire season or multiple seasons in the first stretch of this season yeah uh, what are we 15 16 games in, maybe 17 and it's felt like i think 17 it, it's felt now. like half a season like it literally feels like we've played 30 to 40 games already yeah the roller coaster is real i mean there's two games left to try and salvage something from this homestand We'll see how it goes. You went to the game uh, last night. I'm going to the game tomorrow night. So we'll have some in arena perspectives again. But uh, yeah, we'll see what we'll see where we go from here. We've got we're pointing the fingers at everyone right now, uh, except for maybe Thatcher, Demko, and Ian Clark. But uh, plenty of blame to go around here. You can follow us online. I'm at Pete underscore Gas on the Twitter. And do check out our playlist on Spotify. It's the Canucks Speakeasy outro playlist. All the tracks that we use go on to that. Give me a follow on Twitter at Doug Venn. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Canucks Speak. As always, thanks for listening. Hasta luego.